Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Dark Tales with Wendy Weiss. It's me, Wendy Weiss. I just want to stop and name and acknowledge that everything's horrible right now. So it seems like there's, in my past episodes, I've definitely already spent a lot of time just sort of delving into feelings and delving into things that people, I mean, particularly within the context of my own life that I think that people can relate to, things like issues like recovery and things like that. And I know I'm definitely a person who tends to get into feelings a lot, but now it's not just a me thing, it's an everyone thing. So so I feel like y'all can come with me on this continuation of, of just checking in and just naming rough things that happen. And I also think that, you know, maybe the fact that I'm getting, I frequently will get into feelings is just kind of, you can consider it aftercare for my abrasive personality. So maybe, maybe that's what I'm doing. I'm putting on chapstick right now. I'm sorry. I totally forgot that I was recording something and that it could hear everything I'm doing. So I'm putting on a little bit of, a little bit of chapstick on my lips because I got dry lips. So this episode is very short. It is it is spooky in its own right, but I chose it because it's also spooky in that I think it makes the reader kind of think about or examine or remember their their relationship with their dad. This episode is scary, but it's it's scary if you have a if you don't like your dad. So, um, and I think it's you know it has its own merit if you don't. But I do think that my main demographic is people who don't have good relationships with their dad. So I think this is one for us, guys. And as I uh, like to do, I'm going to tell you a little bit my own, a little bit about my own story, my own relationship with my dad. And it's not great. I think I always like whenever I talk about my relationship with my dad, I always bring up this joke that Brian Bixby told about me in a roast like years ago that I just really liked. And uh, it is that Wendy Weiss is a comedian and a stripper, which means that her dad died inside of her. And I just, it's almost accurate. It's almost accurate. Um, my dad is a pedophile, or was a pedophile. He did die this year. He died um, homeless. He died of alcohol ravaging his body. And it was all, it's all very sad. And I, I kind of want to talk a little bit, just like, I guess, briefly about, I'm a really firm believer in the, in the idea of granting pedophiles compassion I know that sounds really really weird but um I mean they 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 say I learned this in recovery and everybody who's ever been through recovery will never stop saying that phrase but I did learn this and I, I think that it's very helpful and that is you forgive the actor not the actions and I think that is really relevant when it comes to situations where people are abusive and pedophilia is obviously a form of abuse, but I, I also really do believe that people who are abusive are abusive because they have not had a good time in life and they haven't had, they either haven't had a chance or they haven't been able to work it out. And I definitely think that is the case with my dad. I mean, before, I know that there's a lot of, like, people, especially, I feel like, in comedy who are like, guess what? I was molested. Can anyone relate to that? And while that may be true for my life, I think really, I, I just want to add that there it, there were lots of other situations with my dad. He tried to grab a kid out of a Starbucks. He has probably beat the shit out of every single woman he's come into contact with. 
So he's done a lot of really heinous things, and I have nothing but sadness for his life because he experienced a lot of things that were really, um, I think, traumatizing, and I think that he had some undiagnosed brain issues, and I just think that there was a lot going on. So I extend that to anybody who uh, struggles with either abusive tendencies, of which my had, I've had my own, and I will say, I'm actually, I think this would be a good opportunity to say that I've been physically abusive to partners. I've been emotionally abusive to partners. I've been an abusive person. And that's, while obviously nobody is ever under obligation to forgive any of those things, and that's not my choice to make for them, it is something that I've tried to address. And I do think it's the responsibility of the abusive person to say, hey, I am going to address this. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, speaking from my own experience and from my family, that people who are abusive are, I think, I think deserving of compassion, honestly. Um, and I, I felt this way before I, <laughs> I'm not saying this to be like, I deserve your compassion. I, I'm saying this, I guess, with respect in my mind to people who have been abusive to me in my life. Um, I feel, I feel compassion for them. And I'm not fucking Gandhi. I'm not trying to be um, high horse about anything. But I just, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit, especially with regard to people who are pedophiles, because I do think they're really deserving of help. And I think that talking about them like they're monsters or inhuman is one, just extremely inaccurate. And that's the case where you have like any kind of atrocity that's committed by a person. If you're going to sit there and pretend like this is some sort of inhuman monster thing, you're, you're setting yourself up to let this thing continue, honestly. And not that, you know, it's nobody's like fault besides the perpetrator that these things happen, but, uh, to sort of other it is to sort of not really address the problem. And I think that people who are pedophiles could potentially uh, address these issues more frequently if they kind of didn't also maybe see themselves as monsters. And I, I also think about this with respect to how people treat it. And I'm prefacing this. I do not think that being gay and being a pedophile are the same thing. I'm not making that comparison at all. But uh, I think that when you look at, say, the situation um, where... Uh, gay people were shunned and treated like they were disgusting, like perverts, um, you know, in our in our country's history. I think that it really relegated people to say, well, I'm just a disgusting, terrible person anyway, so I might as well just, you know, do whatever, do do disgusting, terrible things, you know? And so I think that that is a theory. I don't know if I subscribe to it necessarily, but that is a theory as to why there were so many, like, um, like gay serial killers and, like, uh, I think, like, the 70s is, fuck, like, 60s, 70s, 80s, I think that that's a theory out there, and again, I definitely do not think that if you're gay and you're, you're, like, um, uh, shunned from society that it's gonna turn you into a crazy serial killer rapist, I think that has to pre-exist for other reasons, but this shit is complicated, so I know somebody's probably gonna get really mad at me, but I don't know, go fuck yourself, I guess. So, yeah, I guess I'm, all of this is to say that I hope you enjoy this episode, and I I hope that maybe, uh, maybe it makes you a little bit introspective about your relationship with your father. So, you guys, enjoy the story.
My father never approved of anything about me, from my hair, long, to my musical taste, loud, to my romantic interests, other boys. He was what we would call nowadays abusive, but back then we wouldn't. My father never raised a hand to me, or a voice. His was a quiet, smoldering anger, seething from the depths of his lazy boy recliner in the far corner of the living room. Every breath he took sounded like a chore, whistling through his narrow nostrils. His dislike of me and his resentment of my mother for defending and protecting me colored every action he took, from his daily crosswords to his nightly television watching. Every muscle in his remote control operating hand rippled with a rage that seemed like it would never go out. Until one day it did. My father's day job was at a machine shop. He was, loosely speaking, a floor manager there, but times being as they were, he was working much more than he was managing. He worked the floor like all of his employees, and that was where it happened. Some machine he was operating, it was called a lathe, but I still don't quite understand even what that is, went wrong. And that was the end. My father was alive and kicking one moment, the next he was stone dead on the floor. Three pieces of metal caused it. Two across his eyes, and one across his throat. The shock stopped his heart so quickly that he didn't even have a chance to bleed out. No open casket for Dad. My mom wouldn't hear of it. Too morbid. So strange people do that. Isn't it enough that we remember him as he was? Mom had all the reasons in the world. I had to wonder, though... Was it the eyes? His eyes had been torn out by the shrapnel. Or so the report I read years later told me. I wondered for years if Mom refused to open the casket because she didn't trust the morticians to fix his eyes. Mom mourned for a year, and then seemed to move on. I got older and I moved out and went to college. Mom helped me pack my things into her old Volvo, her tears offsetting the huge proud grin on her face. At college, I finally got my first boyfriend. Later, I found out that while I was there, Mom got a boyfriend, too. Within a year, he became a husband. All my boyfriend became was an ex-boyfriend, but you know how that goes. I was 25 the year my stepfather, Danny, died. He was a loving man, the type of father I wish I had grown up with. When I got the call from my mother, I dropped everything and flew back home. I was living in San Diego at that point, and the flight to Minneapolis wasn't quick, but I stepped onto and off the plane like no time had passed at all. The day I returned home, my childhood home, my father's home, I must have spent four cumulative hours in my mom's arms. We wept into each other's shoulders on and off, breaking to speak to other family members, eat the casseroles and cookies that friends and family had brought over, and tell tall tales of the kindly man who had become my mom's second husband. The day I returned home, I spent the night in my old bedroom, now redecorated and reconfigured into a guest room. Ikea furniture replaced my old wooden bed, and light blue paint replaced the posters of cartoons and early 90s pop stars, but it was still recognizable as my childhood bedroom. I can barely remember going to bed.
The grief and the tears and the wine from the memorial service saw to that. But I do remember the dream. My stepfather stood at the top of a staircase which became a hill. He beckoned to me with a smile. I tried to climb the staircase, but it wound and twisted as I ascended, stretching this way and that. My father, smiling a reassuring smile, got no closer as I rose. I stopped on the staircase, looked down at the living room of my house. An assemblage of people stared up at me from the bottom of the staircase. All of them young men. All of them my height and build. All of them had my face. I awoke in a haze. The wine had done its work. I was dehydrated and my head was murky. I sat up in the platform bed that was my former childhood bedroom and made up my mind to go out to the bathroom for some water. I started to climb, but stopped. Breathing. Somewhere nearby, whistling through tiny, tense nostrils. I looked to the end of the room by the door. There was a face in the doorway, pale and taut. It appeared close and far away all at once. The lips pulled tight over barely visible teeth as it stared at me. My father's face. It stared at me with empty eye sockets. Not bloody, just empty, black, ragged holes of nothing. The pale, cold, white face faded quickly into the dark of the outside hallway but those empty eye sockets lingered in my view for just a few seconds longer. Well, you guys, this is embarrassing, but the story that you just listened to, titled My Father's Eyes, is not a story that I can find the author information for. I am guessing that this was somebody that was from Reddit that submitted the story, but I don't know. So if you're the author and you're listening, please email me at darktaleswithwendyweiss at gmail.com and I would be happy to put up your information and I am so sorry that I can't find it right now. So author unnamed. <laughs>